0: What a delight it is for Patty and me to be here today on this historic occasion in this, uh, what I call, one of the mother churches of our denomination. And how blessed you are to be a part of this congregation. And I learned something about the Fitkins that I never knew before. I should have Googled them a long time ago. <laughs> but for those of you who've come home, I know you feel a special welcome today. And We certainly have felt welcomed and thank you, Pastor, for the invitation. I think on behalf of the Board of General Superintendents, though I'm not a member of that board at this time, they would want me to extend to you their congratulations and deep appreciation for the over 100 years of faithful service to Christ and his kingdom through the Church of the Nazarene and here in this community. We don't have many churches that have lived this long. So uh, you are one of the one of the very special and elite groups, and it is such a joy to be here. Um, I a little interesting uh, side note: William Hoople, who was a pastor here before any of you were alive, I would assume, uh, was a member of the church in this area, at least leader of the church up in the New England area, when the Groups met. The Church of the Nazarene was one of the first, if not the first, denomination to bring together a group from the North and a group from the South in Union in 1908. And that was not too long after what we called the very uncivil Civil War. So uh, when they were in that meeting, C. Jernigan, who was the pastor and leader of the Church of the South, said before the congregation, well, I have never hugged a Yankee before in my life, but I'm going to hug one today. And he hugged William Hoople. And in that embrace, an eruption of joy and gladness broke out in that gathering, and that precipitated this great march around the tents as people sang and gave thanks and praise to God. So you have a deep history and a great influence in the Church of the Nazarene, and I want to thank you for that. But I want us not so much to look back as to look ahead this morning. That's why we're here. So I'm reading the scripture that you've chosen as kind of your theme. I'm reading from the book of Isaiah chapter uh, 43. And I'm going to read a little more than that one verse. And I'm reading from the New Living Translation. I hope that doesn't offend you. Um, If it does, the Lord will help you get over it. (laughs) So um, I want to invite you to stand with me while I read from Scripture. That'd be all right. We won't stand too long. I'm beginning my reading with verse 14. This is what the Lord says, your Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel... For your sakes, I will send an army against Babylon, forcing the Babylonians to flee in those ships they're so proud of. I am the Lord, your Holy One, Israel's creator and king. I'm the Lord who opened a way through the waters, making a dry path through the sea. I call forth the mighty army of Egypt with all of its chariots and horses. I drew them beneath the waves and they are drowned their lives snuffed out like a smoldering candle wick. But forget all this. Now that doesn't mean that we shouldn't remember it, but it means we shouldn't dwell on it. But forget all, all this. It is nothing compared to what I'm going to do. That's the forward look. It's nothing to what I'm going to do, for I'm about to do something new. See, I've already begun. Do you not see it? Maybe it was new music that he had in mind. I don't know what it was, but he was doing something new. For I'm about to do something new. See, I've already begun. Do you not see it? I will make a pathway through the wilderness. I will create rivers in the dry wasteland. In other words, I'm going to do something new and I will create the pathway for that new thing to come to pass. Great is thy faithfulness. We just sang about it, didn't we? This is the word of the Lord, and you may be seated. When I read this scripture, I'm, I'm, I'm made to think of an earlier moment in the life of Israel when uh, God did something new and different. And it would be all the way back in the book of Exodus. And this scripture from Isaiah references that moment in time. When God delivered his people, brought them into a new place, in a new circumstance, and in a new way. And he said, now now, I want you to remember all that God has done. And I, I want, we want, your pastor wants you to remember everything that God has already done. And to give thanks for what God has done. I think it would be good <laughs> if we just give God a clap offering today for all that he's done. Yeah, Uh, the Psalms is full of invitations to praise God with a clap. Uh, When I moved to Olathe, Kansas to pastor our college church, they were clapping people. And I, I I didn't like it because I thought you shouldn't clap in church. And I finally realized that it was a way of giving praise. Years ago, we would say amen, but now people clap. That's okay. It's all pleasing to the Lord. God's always doing a new thing. So, uh, here, here in Exodus chapter 3, all that God has done, He's already done a lot here, and He's promised to do something new. And He said, I want you to remember what happened. And I want to go back again to the story of, of Moses, because I think it has something to say to us today. There are three things I want to say to you this morning. And the first is that God is always up to something. Yes. We don't always know what He's up to, but God's always up to something. And God always has a plan. He always has a plan. But God seldom works alone. And in Isaiah, it says, I'm the Lord, the King. I never change. And I'm going to do something that you've not seen yet. But you've got to prepare yourselves to walk into that new thing. We have to appreciate the past, but get over the past and move forward to that new thing that God has for us. So let me, let me read a little bit from this uh, uh, chapter three in the book of Exodus. Now, I, I apologize if you're offended by this, but I find a lot of humor in this exchange between God and, and Moses. I think it's uh, I think it's to see that humor here. Uh, Moses has seen the uh, burning bush, and in verse five, uh, God says to him, "Take off your sandals, for you're standing on holy ground. And I'm the God your uh, God of your father. That is, I'm the God of the past, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And when Moses heard this, he covered his face because he was afraid to look on God. Moses had great appreciation for those names. Those were names to be revered. People he loved." Then the Lord told him, I have certainly seen the oppression of my people in Egypt. I've heard their cries. Now, you need to know that God has heard our prayers. If you've cried out in the night, God has heard your cry. If it's a personal dilemma you're facing, God has heard. He's been listening. Your prayers don't... uh, Don't just fade away somewhere in the sky. The scripture in Revelation tells us that God is collecting all the prayers that have ever been prayed. And someday he's going to dump all those prayers back out on the earth. I would like for him to do that today, but someday the imagery is he's going to pour those prayers out on the earth. So I've seen, I know what's going on. I've heard your cries of distress and I'm aware of, of the suffering of my people, so I have come down to rescue them. God is always up to something, always. He's never, never still. He's always up to something. God is always looking for someone who will see the evidences of what he's doing. I, I don't know when God called Abraham I've often wondered if God was just putting out an SOS. Was God speaking to other people? I don't know that. Was he seeking just someone who would follow him and Abraham was the only one who said, I'll give it a shot, I'll try. I don't know if I can do it, but I'll try. And that's about all God ever asked for anybody, from anybody, isn't it? I'll try. When God is up to something, he's looking for someone. And so God comes down and he says, uh, I've come down to rescue my people. And then he says to Moses, now you go do it. (laughs) So God's always up to something. Do you still believe in a God who's active in our world? I believe that. Uh, I'll be 78 in uh, November of this year. I've lived quite a long time, probably more than I should have. Uh, there are some people who believe that with all their hearts, that it would have been better if I died younger. But I'm, I'm still here. I'm still doing whatever I'm doing. So um, I, I, I still believe that God is up to something. I believe God is up to something new and different that I've never seen before. And I think it's up to me as a senior adult. Wow, I've never used that term in about me before. But as I think about myself as a senior adult, it's up to me to stay up to the times with God. God doesn't always do things in the same way. In fact, in one place in Isaiah or Jeremiah, I believe it's Isaiah, he says, now there was a time when I I parted water and I made the land dry but this is a time when I'm going to open streams in the wilderness and I'm going to place water out before you. So God was delivering in both cases, but doing it in a different way, using the same thing, people and elements of the world, but he was still doing the same work of redemption and the same work of deliverance. And one of the things that uh, I had to get used to in about 1996, For me as a pastor, everything in the world changed, and I blame it on Promise Keepers. We took all of our men to Promise Keepers, and they heard all this new, awful music, and they came home and they said, We want that kind of music. And I was used to preaching three point sermons, and I woke up one morning, and everything that I did and everything I thought I knew how to do was no longer acceptable. In the world, and I had to retool and learn how to minister to and in a new season and to new and different generations. And I've had the privilege to be on college campuses and speak to students, and I've understood that I can't speak to students the way I used to. I can tell the same truth, but I can't tell it in the same way. And we don't do our music the way we used to. And I loved our songs this morning and I loved the way we sang and I loved the hands that were lifted in praise to God. We we got to loosen up a little again and act like that something good happens to us when we come to church. Some of us act like this is really a hard time for us and you look at faces from my perspective and they look like they're suffering and uh, maybe you are this morning and and there's no pill to help you. I'm sorry, there's, there's nothing. Yeah, there may be some drugs that you could take so you wouldn't know what was going on. But you just, you just have to, you know, we just have to step into a new day. God is up to something, but God is not behind the times. Amen? He's not behind the times. God is in step with the times. He's not intimidated by the world in which we live. He's not intimidated by the political world or the cultural wars, God is not intimidated by anything about that. God is up to something. And God always has a plan. He always has a plan. He always knows what he's going to do. Our task is to find out what it is and then do it. Find out what God wants to do and then do it. And I promise you, it won't be the way we've done it before. But the outcome can be just as good or better for this age in which we live. We have new opportunities, new experiences, new ways of of sharing our faith, new ways of worshiping together. We need to delight in that. God has a plan. He said to the people in Jeremiah chapter, chapter 7, Uh, verse, uh, 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 let's see, let me get over here, chapter 7. He he said, "I, I have plans for you, plans not to harm you, but plans to give you a hope and a future. God has plans for us, so God has a plan. He's ready to do something. The problem with God, if I can say that without getting struck down, the problem with God is he seldom works alone. And this is the point in the story with Moses that really, really, uh, I just have to smile every time I read it. You, You know, Moses is listening to God, and God says, I've come down, I've heard, and I've come down to fix this problem. And Moses' faith is rising. And then God says, go do it, Moses. Go on, get this done. Well, it sounds like God handed the ball off and said to Moses, you're on your own. But well, there's what God did. It's just that God doesn't, God rarely does anything without the assistance of people like those of us in this room today. The only two things that I know for sure that God did all by himself was that he created the world and created man and woman and he raised Jesus from the dead. I don't find many other things that god did without someone else participating in what he was doing now moses did what we all do it's 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 the problem with being human it's it's who we are so god says now moses i want you to go do it moses has just seen all these miraculous things happening he's been mesmerized by the bush that was burning but wouldn't be consumed He's heard the voice of God. He's been in conversation with God. And God says, now, Moses, you go. I'm going to go with you, but you've got to go do it. And Moses does what we all do. He starts looking at himself rather than looking to God. And this is, this is where we are in the church world today, not, not, not just in this local church in Manchester, but all over the world. God is trying to call his church into a new season, into a new day, into a day of new effectiveness. And what do we do? We start by looking around. Well, I don't see how we can do that. <laughs> Moses said, uh, you know, God, you, I know you're powerful and good and I know you've got plans, but I'm not a very good public speaker, so I don't, I don't think I'm your guy. And, and God says, okay, well, you got a brother, and he's pretty good at that, so he'll, he'll come along and he'll do that. Well, you know, I know that, but Aaron's all not, not all that much either. I mean, he's a good kid, he's a younger brother, and I, I don't dislike him, but I don't trust him with a big assignment like that. And he just keeps throwing up one excuse after another. When Jesus fed the 5,000, and he went to Philip first, and he said to Philip, where are we going to feed all these people? And Philip looked in the checkbook first. Well, it cost an awful lot of money to feed all these people. I think we ought to just send them away. We can't do this. We can't do this. And when God calls us to do something, probably 99% of us think, first of all, of why it can't be done. Not why it can be done, but why it can't be done. We look at ourselves. We look at the people around us. We, we look at the world in which we live. It's impossible. There's no way we can do this. We don't have the resources. We don't have the, the personnel. I know uh, in my travels as a general superintendent, I, I came to the conclusion that there were a lot of pastors who were saying to themselves, if I just had a better congregation, I could really get things done. And that there are a lot of congregations who are saying, if we just had a better preacher, we could, really, we could really get things done. When neither one of those is true. It isn't that we need something different or something new. What we need to do is get our eyes off one another, off of ourselves, and get our eyes on God. And find out what God's calling us to do, and then do it. Well, we don't have, just drop that from your vocabulary. Of course we don't have, but God has incredible resources. Oh, Brother Fitkin, terrible, horrible pastor, what kind of future does a guy like that have? Well, God just moved him into a better place. He may not have been much of a preacher, but he was a dreamer, and he was a risk taker, and he became a multimillionaire Had benefited the denomination so much more than he could ever benefited the denomination and our worldwide outreach than had he stayed as pastor of this local church God called him who who would go to their boss and say could I borrow a half a million dollars (laughs) what would that be today several billion dollars Hey, I got something over here in Texas I'd like to buy. Could you loan me $7 billion? I'll get it back to you sometime. I don't know when, but just could you do that? What kind of faith does that take? And what an idiot that boss was. <laughs> Who would do that? God was in all of that. Those are, that's a miraculous story. That's something that God did. What if, what if the pastor had said, oh, I'm just gonna go to another church and fail again. I'm gonna go there and, and I'm just not very good at this. But I'm no, God opened a door and he walked through the door to greater effectiveness. He took the steps. He's led by the Holy Spirit. He may have been widely criticized when he went into business and left the ministry assignment, but God was leading him. God was using him. God was up to something in his life And that something still impacts the mind and heart of the Church of the Nazarene today. That world evangelism outlook, that passion for reaching people in every nation around the world. It was born in couples like the Fitkins right here in this local church in a time of failure when they should have just quit and gone back wherever they came from and gotten little jobs. But no, no. No, no, no. God was up to something. What's God up to today? What is God up to in this town today? What's God up to in the life of your pastor today and his wife? What is God up to in your life? What kind of dreams are you dreaming? What do you see for the future? What are you thinking about for the future? I'm now pastoring a church in Dayton, Ohio, and it's a, it was an older congregation primarily and we didn't have, when, that, when we moved there, we didn't have any babies in the nursery. We didn't have a nursery attendant. We didn't have any toddlers. Uh, we didn't have anybody. And one Sunday morning, I just announced, we're going to have a nursery attendant if all they do is watch TV or play games on their their device. We're going to have a nursery attendant because you you can't, you can't take Take territory for God until you prepare to take territory for God. Just can't do it. Let me tell you a story about a pastor up in, in um, Nebraska. Superior Nebraska. A little town. Well, I don't even think you'd call it a town. It's just a neighborhood, really. Not, not much. And he told this story at an NMI convention on the Nebraska District. And he said, I, I was praying that, that we could, uh, we had a building, it's off the beaten path, nobody knew who we were and I was praying for something downtown. Now downtown was one street with a few boarded up shops and one of those little diners here and there and a bank and a barber shop and that was about it. He said, I wanted to be on Main Street. And he got a call one day. He said, I've been, I've been praying to God for that. And I got a call one day from uh, the lady who ran the Baptist church. You know, when, when churches get down to a certain place, it's usually some woman that takes over. And she was kind of taking over. And she called and she said, Pastor, we're, we're getting ready to close down. Now, when the Baptists are closing down, things are really tough. She said, we're getting ready to close down. and We thought you might be interested in our building. Oh, he said, wow. Now he's been praying for a new building. Wow. Well, I don't, I don't think we can afford that building. It's, it's just too much money. Oh, she said, pastor, I'm sorry. Uh, we we, we want to give you the building. And he said, oh, Wow. Well, you know, that's a big building. I bet the upkeep on that building is terrible. Maintenance, I just don't know that we can afford it. Well, she said, we, we just put a new heater, an air conditioner in the building, and it does need some water heaters, and, and we, we could put them in. Uh, well, they said that'd be good, but still the maintenance on the building. He's been praying for a new building, and somebody's trying to give him a building. And he said, well, I I don't know. I'm not making this up. I'm not exaggerating. And he said, I I don't know. I just don't see how. She said, Pastor, what if we give you $10,000 and fix everything we know that needs fixing? Will you please take this building? And he reluctantly agreed to take it. So now the First Baptist Church is the Church of the Nazarene, right down on Main Street. So they wanted to open up a childcare center, and they thought, well, we'll remodel our old building. But again, they said, we don't have the money to do that. Wow, don't know what we're gonna do. Well, the uh, other churches heard about it, and they started calling to wonder if they could bring a working witness team to help the uh, high school seniors, the graduating seniors called and said, we heard you're, you're going to open up a daycare center, but you need some work on your building. Could we make that a senior project? Could we come and, and help you get the building rearranged for child care? And the hospital called and said, preacher, we heard that you're, you're going to do a child care center. We've got some, some cribs, and we've got some uh, changing tables and diapers. We have a lot of stuff here that we don't need. Could we donate that to you? So before they knew what was happening, they had a new church and they had a child care center open up and, were t- and they're taking care of children in that church today. God was up to something. God was up to something. He knew What he wanted to do, he wanted to move that little church of the Nazarene. I love it that he shut down the Baptist to do that. I don't know, I'm sorry. I hope that's not sinful to say that. But we live in their shadows so much, it's nice every now and then for God to give us a bone, make us feel better about ourselves. So the Baptist went out of business and we're still in business, glory, hallelujah to that. And I love, my sister's a Baptist, I love the Baptist people and uh, so, All of this. Because God was up to something. And God had a plan. But God will never. Get it done. Without people. Like us. Without people like us. God has brought you. Down the road for 125. Years. You're older than the denomination whose name you bear. In fact, you were calling yourselves the Church of the Nazarene before there was such a thing anyplace else. God has brought you to this place. And on this anniversary, I believe God is up to something. I believe he is. I believe even some of you my age have been dreaming a dream. And you just have never said it out loud because it doesn't make any sense. Just shouldn't dream those kind of dreams this season of our lives. I believe there are some young people here today and God has been planting seeds of hope and giving you a vision of things that are possible for the future of this great church family. And he's asking us, he's just asking us to say yes, say yes. When Jesus fed the, the with this I'm done, when Jesus fed the, the um, 5,000, he went to Andrew and then he went to Philip first, he said, hey Philip, Jesus said, where are we gonna feed all these people? And Philip evidently knew how much money's in the treasury and he said, we don't have that much money. You've never heard that in the church before, have you? It's, that just happened one time in the history of Christendom. Uh, we don't have the money to do that. And so he was out of the picture. You know, you can you can move yourself right out of the picture. All you have to do is say, not on your life, Lord. Not on your life. Not going to do that. You can just get right out, and, and, and you don't have to be bothered with it anymore. Well, Andrew heard Jesus ask that, and Andrew was the kind of guy who said... I just have to find something and get it in the hands of Jesus. Doesn't have to be much. Just anything. And he found this kid with a lunch. Five loaves and two fish. And he took the little boy to Jesus. And I I imagine the little boy was about like us. Don't take my lunch away from me. I don't think he was all that happy about it. But he gave Jesus his lunch. And Jesus took what really should have been a laughing matter why would you bring this for me to do what I want to do but Jesus took that little boy's lunch and he lifted it to the heavens and he thanked the father for that gift isn't that amazing he thanked the father he didn't say oh lord this is so pitiful father I don't know what we're going to do with it he just said I thank you and then he began to break it and give it away, and give it away, and give it away until everybody had all that they wanted. And they gathered up what was left. Can you imagine a little boy going home? He had two fish and five loaves. And now he's got baskets full. And his mom says, I don't know where you got that, but take it back. (laughs) You didn't have the money to get that. No, you take that back. I bet he had a hard time convincing her of what happened. Because we have trouble believing that God can do the greater thing. I believe he can. I think we're going to sing, Great is thy faithfulness, again. I wonder if while we're singing, there might be some of us who who maybe would want to come and stand or kneel here at the front and say, I don't have a clue what God is up to. I haven't had any sense that he's up to anything special, but I just want to announce to him by coming forward that if he's got something new, I want it. I want in on it. I want to participate in it. And just stand or kneel here for a closing prayer. I want to be in it, and Pastor will lead us in a closing prayer I want to be in on whatever God's doing and I believe he's going to do something that we've never seen before you believe in a God like that I do father in these closing moments may the Holy Spirit continue to minister and settle down upon these wonderful people in this wonderful church in the heart of this good pastor and his beautiful wife i pray that you'll move into our lives in a new way and help us to see something new something great that can be done again here in this town in your name we commit ourselves to you in jesus name let's stand together and we'll sing and if you would just want to come stand for a closing prayer and pastor lead us in that prayer feel free to do so
1: Changes or turn, unfailing justice, unfading grace, whose promises remain. Yes, your promises remain. Now unto the King who reigns over all and never changes or turns, unfailing justice unfading grace whose promises remain yes your promises remain the heavens ring the saints all sing great is your faithfulness from age to age we will proclaim great is your faithfulness faithfulness Everything changes, but you stay the same Your word and kingdom endure And we lean on the promise of all that you are Trust forevermore. We will trust forevermore. The heavens ring, the saints all sing. Great is your faithfulness. From age to age, we will proclaim. Great is your faithfulness. The heavens ring, the saints all sing. Great is Your faithfulness. From age to age, we will proclaim. Great is Your faithfulness. How great is Your faithfulness? From generation. Yesterday and today and tomorrow Until the day you return The heavens ring, the saints are Great is your faithfulness From age to age we will proclaim Great is your faithfulness The heavens ring, the saints all sing, great is your faithfulness. From age to age we will proclaim, great is your faithfulness.
0: him for his faithfulness amen Amen. we're gonna go from here outdoors I don't think it's raining I think we're good we're gonna go outdoors for the mortgage burning immediately after the benediction there are some chairs set out there that are for folks with mobility issues or some of our older folks and then we'll just gather around the centennial altar the liturgy for the mortgage burning goes in the back of your bulletin take it with you and now to the one who is able to do more than we can ask or even imagine, to him who is our coming King, be glory and honor now and forever. Amen. Amen. Let's go to burn some
1: paper.